Welcome to another episode of Recipe to Success. Today I'm really excited because we've got someone who's big in the property game, he's all about entrepreneurship and he could not be a better fit for this show. Jazz, how you doing, you okay? Bro, I'm blessed man, thank you so much for having me here. Thank you for coming on, honestly, like I said, really, really excited. I think this one has been a little bit overdue mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm really keen to see how, how much value people can get from this. So um, for anyone that doesn't know who you are, because um, obviously I am aware of your personal brand but some people may not be, Give us a little bit of an introduction. Yeah, sure. So I'm Jazz Rose, 34 years young, and I'm an entrepreneur. And I help people transform their relationship with money. I feel like money is one of those things that it carries so much weight in our lives and it has such an impactful influence over so many different areas of our lives. You know, all of this is like influenced by money, right? Like where we live, who we live with, how much time we spend at work, what time we wake up, what time we, what time we go to sleep, where we go out, where we don't go out. You know, all of these things are influenced and impacted by money so really got to get to grips with transform your relationship with it so that you start to make decisions based upon where you want to go rather than where you've grown up and that's what happens through most of society is that we make decisions based upon how we've grown up and how things were but if you've got a destination you've got a vision somewhere you want to get to sometimes that's incongruent with how we've grown up right so which is why we have conflict and which is why we have stress tension in our lives and all of that sort of stuff. So I really unpack all that and make sure that people are on their journey to empower themselves to become financially free so they don't have to think about money and they don't have to worry about it in the same way. Mm. It's interesting for me because when I was younger, I think I went through that transition where, you know, not growing up in the, in the best of environments, you might be smart, you might be ahead of, you know, your, your peers, but you still have bad habits or, mm. or things that you didn't learn properly. Um, so even for me, you know, I think this is going to be really interesting. And... Um, for me, my question is, how did you get here? Like, how did you get to the point where you you started advising and helping people with money? Because it's such a sensitive relationship, not one that's spoken about much at ho- in yeah. your home, in, you know, your friendship groups. So how did you how did you actually get here? Yeah, <laughs> stress. <laughs> <laughs> stress and struggle and strife. Um, you know, I started my first company when I was 17 years old. And <clears throat> one of the things that, I grew up learning from my grandma when I was about eight was she always used to say to me, you can, if you lie with the dogs, you're gonna catch fleas or you can soar with the eagles. So I was one of them guys that always wanted to soar with the eagles, always wanted to be around the best and to perform as best as I could in anything that I was doing. So when I hit 11, I started playing football and I started getting really good, started getting professional trials, etc. to have got so good, not naturally talented, but I was good enough to get trials, etc. And I got good enough to get to a stage where I was about to sign my, fi- my first professional contract at 18. And um, doing really well, six week trial, etc. The manager says to me, you know what, you do a good job next week, we're going to sign you. No problem. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm gassed. I'm like, going to get my first pro contract, right? I walk into the change room the next week, got my kit on, get ready, all that sort of stuff. New manager walks in. Mm. And he looks at me and he starts calling out names, James, John, Jonathan, Mike. My name's not on the list. He said, yeah, I'm sorry. If your name's not on the paper, see you later. And I was like, whoa, like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like manager told me last week that, you know, I can't, et cetera. And he was like, I'm really sorry, but we can't move forward like this. You know, I'm the new manager, I'm taking control, et cetera. And at that point I realized like, rah, I've really got to be in control of my destiny. And although that, that was a really hard time for me, it was like, it was a trigger for me to take complete control of my financial life and my future. Um, so I went home, <laughs> mum was like, listen, you ain't staying around here trying to be no professional footballer, so you better go out and find the income somewhere, <laughs> right? So um, went Woolworth, Sainsbury's, anywhere I can try and find it to get this opportunity to have an income, not working out until one of the guys that I used to play ball with was like, yeah, I'm doing some coaching, come and, come and help out or whatever. 
And I found that that was something that was really, really good for me and that I was really, really good at. So again, I just grew my skills um, and I was really good at inspiring the kids and whatnot. And then one of the girls that I was working for, she said, hey, you're doing a really good job at this session, etc. Um, I'm actually leaving coaching to go into full-time teaching, so why don't you take over this opportunity? Um, you know, you've got like 15 kids here, they're all paying £2 a session, I'm 18, so I'm, I'm like 17, so I'm like, okay, cool, no problem. Um, so that's how I initially started the business, and the business was all about inspiring children to be the best version of themselves and using sport as a vehicle in order to do that. And um, I got really good, head teachers were like, oh, I'm going to tell, I'm not a head teacher about you, I'm going to tell someone else about you. And over a 10-year period we got big enough to be impacting 50,000 children every single week wow. working across 150 schools um, with a three million pound turnover so we took it literally from 30 pounds a week to a three million pound turnover uh, with 150 staff etc and that was that was literally the journey of that business wow and and that was a real genuine kind of direction because you went through the hardship yourself in your own kind of regard set up a business and it was a real passion passion project mm. um and that's something that I'm, I'm very keen on so from that journey what is the importance of of passion yeah passion is uh incredibly important one of the things that i did early on in my journey um was to record everything that i did so everything that i did i documented it i wrote it down so when new new people came on at first it just started with friends and people that i grew up with and stuff I, I literally just gave them the book and said, right, follow that to the T and you're going to win. You're going to be successful. And that gave them an opportunity to be really successful within their own right. And it also gave the organization an opportunity to grow without sort of me being constrained and tied to things because I got so overbooked and over busy that I had to pass on the opportunities to other people. And again, that just allowed the business in order to scale. So if I wasn't passionate about it, there's so many different challenges that I went through um, in order to grow that business from £30 a week to £3 million a year. Um, you know, I never would have been able to overcome those challenges. Uh, but I think challenges are one of the things that really helps us to break through, right? So a lot of people see challenges as like barriers, like a brick, brick wall that they can't quite break down, right? But it, all it is is a hump in the road and you just got to find a way to, to jump over it. And that's what entrepreneurship is all about, right? It's like finding that finding that little, that little bump in the road and how do I get over it in order to be successful, in order to get to the other side. Mm. Yeah. So let's unpack that, that, that story a little bit. It's £30 to £3 million. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing it wasn't that easy in, in going from £30 to £3 million. Mm. Um, And also, it was your first experience, right, in entrepreneurship, like your proper first experience. Oh, yeah. So do you remember parts of that journey of you know the hardships the but also the highs and and how did you what was your secret to growing that business for? yeah yeah i think one of the there's a lot of struggles um in in growing that business but i think one of the things that i do did really well was i used my leadership skills so a lot of the leadership skills that i learned from football i used always i've never actually the, the the literal captain but i was always one of those players that tried to lead the team and i did that and i took that into into my business and i was always able to galvanize a team get them to follow on from what they needed to do and make sure that they were on time delivering to a good standard etc and that's one of the important skills that you need in business is to really be able to lead effectively a lot of us are really good at doing things on our own and we're good at the technical side or, or whatever but are we really good at leading a team and that's one of the things that you know school doesn't typically show us right it doesn't show us how to be leaders it doesn't show us how to be entrepreneurs um it kind of like <laughs> fits teaches us how into to be a, average it teaches yeah it teaches you and i always say to people you know school is not designed to be successful so I call this journey the road of, road of life, right? Like when, you, when, you, when you're a baby and you come out, right? The first person that holds you is who? 
mum. Or the nurse. The nurse, right? And the nurse belong is employed by an institution called the government, right? Which is a hierarchical institution. So the nurse is not set up to be in a position of financial success, right? And then you give them to who? Your parents, right? And your parents have gone through a similar journey. They've gone through school, etc. Another institution that's controlled by the government, not designed to make you financially successful. And then you go on to university and then you have this wonderful world called debt, right? <laughs> like pay us money before you learn anything, which is a kind of weird philosophy. But then you get into debt cycle and then you go into the work, world of work and you're like, okay, great. Now I'm in world of work and now I can earn an income. But who are you around when you're at work? Well, you're around a bunch of people that have grown up in that same environment mm-hmm. that have poor spending habits, poor money habits, right? So then you start to copy and you become influenced by these habits and then you <laughs> then you might meet a partner or someone special in your life and then you're like, all right, cool, let's get married, right? Bang, another outlay, another incurrence of debt, right? Which is, again, uh, holding us back from financial success in some way and then, boom, children come, more, more responsibilities, more pressure and then it's like, okay, cool, now we need a bigger house. <laughs> you get a bigger house, more, more, responsi- more financial responsibilities, by the way, your income might be going up gradually like that, but mm-hmm. the debt is going up much faster, which is why like the system is set up like that in order for us to remain at a certain level, right? But it's, um, and then it's like, okay, you've got the house now. It's like, right now, we just need like a break. We need a holiday, right? <laughs> so then, like, let's spend five, 10 grand on a holiday. Stop. Right, it just doesn't stop. And you end up in this never-ending kind of recurring race in order to get to financial success and never quite wondering why you're not at a space like, mentally psychologically where you want to be and there's only three ways to break that cycle right number one is you've got to get the knowledge which is the seed right you get the seed of knowledge and then number two you plant the seed in the earth right with another word to invest in the earth property business stock market whatever it is right get the seed plant the seed in the earth and then the third thing which many people miss is to eat from the fruit and not the root which is to eat from <laughs> what the tree has produced mm. but not the root of the tree you see a lot of people start investing and then it's like okay cool i've made i've made a certain amount and then they start chopping at the tree right but you've got to let that tree grow you've got to let it harvest so that it continues to grow with or without your effort and then once it reaches pinnacles then you can start to peel from from the fruits of that tree wow i love that analogy and and it also applies to business right i mean a lot of people they get into business not knowing that Revenue is not profit and you can't just completely take from the business because the business is really a separate entity to you. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you might be struggling, but the business shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and that's the only way you'll get anywhere long term. Mm. Um, so that's really, really interesting. So you went from helping 50,000 children a week um, to now, I guess, dedicating a lot more time to just helping people. Um, I'm guessing 18 to 35, um, really just helping them hone in on money. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk about let's talk about that journey and what were some of the things that maybe you went through financially or you know even just from a lack of awareness mm. that inspired this to be able to help others yeah sure so got to a stage when I was about 27 and um, doing really really well you know business is, is flying and it's best position that it's ever been from at least from an objective standpoint uh more staff than ever before empowering more children than ever before and um it was a time when i was starting to like take a step back and i felt like i was getting somewhere you know like that biz that you've got the business there now you can kind of take complete control over your time anyway it's about two o'clock on a wednesday afternoon and my chief financial officer phones me and she says jazz i need you to come to the office i said oh no 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 i'm far away i've got things to do etc right can't make it she's like no no it's really serious so what do you mean? Like, just tell me on the phone. So she says, we can't make payroll this month. And I said, what on earth do you mean? 
Like, we've been making nightmare. payroll every single year, no problem at all, for the last 13, 14 years. Like, like now I've empowered you to take control. Now, now it's like, now it's like we can't make payroll. What's going on? So I had to go through a lot of stuff. I had to make a lot of phone calls, do a lot of stuff, move things around in order to make sure that we were made, pay, made payroll and got everybody paid. But then my first instinct was, like, blame the CFO, blame the managing director, blame the operations guy, blame the sales, blame somebody, right? But then I was like, nah, the only person that is in complete control of my finances is me. Right. So I've got to take full control, full responsibility. So that's when I started to really drill into the business expenses. See, again, what you were saying, like revenue is not profit. Mm. Right. So I'm starting to drill into every single expense. I'm starting to realize like the amount of money that is leaking out of our bank account left, right and center. It's, it's in complete disarray. Right. So I had to get all of that sorted. And one of the one of the ways that I started to look at getting that sorted was to create document a spreadsheet that I personally created in order to analyze all of our expenses, all of our income, etc. I started to realize that we had, you know, phone bills from five years ago that we were still paying wow. for, you know, <laughs> subscriptions that we were still paying for, you know, excess staff, all of that sort of stuff, um, which was kind of killing the profit within the business and killing the, the, the liquidity of it. Mm. So then I started to, to look and, and started to see all this stuff. And I said, well, if I'm losing money in my business, surely I'm losing money somewhere in my personal life, too. So then I started to get really close and analytical about my personalized expenses. And I was like, bang, I'm in complete control of my financial future. And before that, I started learning everything that I wanted to, everything that I needed to learn about A, teaching and then B, business, right? But I never learned about money. Mm. And so many of us learn about, so much about business and growing the business and making it successful, making it look amazing, etc. But very, very rarely do we take the time to learn about money, which is well, also, I mean, the end product of where we're trying to get to, right? Yeah, and yeah. also it's... it's, it's it's not as accessible as learning about business, you know, True. you or learning about general things in life. You can go to school, you can go to university, but money is like, it's such a, it's such a problematic thing that people either have completely left or right opinions mm. um, and you just don't know where to go. So I always, I always, I always say if money is a silent subject in our community, how do we ever expect to be successful with it? It, you know, if you want to learn to drive, right, the first thing you do is you speak to a driving instructor, right, somebody who's been successful as that. If you want to learn sport, you speak to a sports instructor, someone who's been successful as that, right? Or you want to learn about money, well, who do you speak to? Most of us stay silent, but actually it's through those conversations that we're able to leverage. And through the conversations that I had with, with books, with friends, etc., like really like stepping outside of my my usual environment and speaking to different people about this stuff, I learned so much. Mm. And that's when I started to learn about financial freedom, financial independence. And I was like, wow, this stuff is all possible. Like, it's actually possible to, to, uh, <laughs> to not have to worry about money, to not have to think about it in the same way again. It's actually possible to be able to live from your assets and just like, like live a joyous life and become the most fulfilled version of yourself without having to work so now work becomes an option rather than an obligation and that's just an amazing space to be and a lot of people would assume that it's really really difficult to get to that space but what I do is I really break it down and simplify that process so that it becomes a really simple and organic process mm -hmm. let's let's go into that a little bit I mean you know we don't want to give away too many secrets but <laughs> um you know kind of just the basics because money is a thing where a lot of us think I just need to increase my income or I need to increase mm. my money. But a lot of us, even if we do think we're going to tighten up our purse, it's 
still okay well we're always behind or you know this this like you said you have this one and then you have this one and then we've seen it before like people make 250 million dollars and it just goes overnight or, yeah. or over a few years stress so it is possible and a lot of us can't even fathom that where does 250 million dollars go yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but it happens mm. um so like i said really really interesting topic it, so it's a very very common thing in our community and in our societies that the more you earn the more you spend right and it just becomes a very natural fluid and organic process the more you earn the more you spend mm-hmm. so you end up earning 200 grand a year and it's like okay cool but i'll spend 195 well, you, actually, over time, the person that earns 40000 a year and spends twenty is going to be far much better off uh, from a psychological and from a financial standpoint if that, if that continues to persist, right? So then you've got to look at what percentage, and that you spoke about something very important, which is like, as soon as we look at money, we look at just increase your income, which is exactly where I was, right? Just increase the income, increase the income. Also where I right? was. But that can get you into very deep water if you're not very, very conscious about where your money is actually going. Right. So you've got to look at what is your savings and investment ratio. That's one of the things that I talk about a lot. That's like the first kind of thing that you need to be alert on on your money. Like what percentage of your income are you saving and investing for your future? Because the government's not going to do it for you in the way that you want them to. And your parents might probably not going to do it. You know, there's no point kind of like waiting around for external influences outside of you in order to empower you to be financially fit. Right. So you've got to look at what's your savings and investment ratio. Number two, you've got to look at. Okay, so what is my net worth right now, right? A lot of people talk about income, money, and that's the first thing that we think of is income. But what about your net worth? Net worth is incredibly powerful, which is your assets minus your liabilities. And the reason that that's important and powerful is because then you need to look at what your net worth goal is. In other words, what's your financial freedom number? You know, in some communities, mm-hmm. they call it your FU number. Because <laughs> it's like, hey, anything happens, anything goes wrong, anything says, anyone says something to me that I don't like, I'm like, FU, I've got money, I can go. Right. I don't need to be here. So you've got to calculate what that number is in order so that you can leverage and start to accelerate towards your financial independence so that you you become independent of any external forces, jobs, people that you don't like, whatever. And you just can be in complete control of your financial life. Mm, it's, for me, I think one of the hardest things is l- kind of detaching yourself from social media. Because social media is a big part of why we want more mm. um, instead of being realistic and being smart about things and putting, you know, investments on the side or savings on the side. Mm. Um, we, we, we decide to spend every single penny that we earn, mm. um, either to put up a lifestyle mm. or to deal with, um, you know, whatever we're going through. But one of, the, one of the things I'm curious about from your perspective is, do you think that when you come from a disadvantaged background that naturally not only do you not know about money, but you have this desire to always want more because you never had it. Mm. Do you think that's part of it? And it's unwiring certain parts of your brain to actually make a change for the, for, for the future. I think accessing a high level of income is extremely powerful and important, right? And when you come from a certain environment, a certain background, it triggers certain mechanics in your brain that you need to unravel, right? One of the one of the triggers that I had in my mind, and a lot of people will have as well, is that when I grew up, I believed that you, if you have money, you cannot have time. And if you have time, you definitely cannot have a lot of money, right? So you've got to start to, I had to start to really separate the two and distinguish the two because they're two very different things, okay? And you can have money and time. That's what financial freedom is all about, right? So it's all about making sure that you understand that, hey, I can have freedom, I can have time, and I can have money. And what is, 
Like, what is good, a good amount of money for me? Like, what is a good net worth goal to me? And once you understand what your net worth goal is and your FU number, then it becomes almost automated that you need to hit this point in terms of the value of your assets in order to then be able to pay for your lifestyle. Because then it's like the assets are continuing to pay for everything that you want, need and desire in your life and anything that you make on top is like surplus and just <laughs> excess money in order for you to do the things that you want to do and whether that's given to charity, given to family. Because ultimately it's about, you know, uh, I think it's Oprah that talks about this a lot, is making sure that your cup is full, right? But a lot of us are pouring out the cup every time that it gets to a, about a quarter. Why? Because we're not comfortable with money. We're not comfortable with having money sitting in our account or mm -hmm. in our investment fund. So it's like, okay, cool, what's the latest label? What's the latest this? What's the latest phone? What's the latest, right? And it's a constant, but if you get to a point where your cup is always flowing over, then it's like you can give as much as you want to give because your cup is always overflowing and you know that your cup is always full. It's a little bit like that saying when I say eat from the fruit, not the root. Your cup is always full mm -hmm. anyway because your investments are there and they are secured. So that's the race, right? <laughs> a lot of people think that the race is to build to a certain income level or whatever, and that's part of it. But a bigger part of it and a, and a, and a much more straight and linear process is to look at, okay, so what's my savings ratio? What's my net worth now? What's my FU number? How quickly can I get there? Wow. I'm, I'm literally just listening <laughs> and trying to take notes mentally. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about uh, an individual because I'm sure people are watching it now and thinking, okay, well, Maybe I might not be at that level of success where my income is extremely high and I do have the option to invest and save and do all of those things and deal with, you know, debt in a right in the right way. Mm. Let's say you're just an average person earning an average wage. Mm. Where would you begin? Yeah, I'll definitely begin at first invest in you, right? You've got to invest in your knowledge, invest in your experiences and go and do things that you've never done before. The second thing is then to start investing in the earth, which is to either invest in a business, invest in the stock market. Uh, I usually talk about index funds a lot or you invest in property, right? You choose one of those three or there's other things that you may be influenced by that, that, that you're akin to that you want to invest in then go for it right but you have to invest and you have to invest for the long term so that you start to set yourself up for financial success and a lot of people think oh well I'm on a low income and I don't know if you've seen my Instagram but I break down a lot of uh, simplified stories and I say well if you're making like 30,000 a year this is what I would do right and it's a very very simple process in terms of okay investing putting the money aside and just like okay well after 60 you're going to be a millionaire and they're like, what? Like, how does that work? It's like, all right, Paul, invest five hundred pounds a month, and you're going to be a millionaire in the next thirty years, guaranteed, right? Not guaranteed, but like, very, very, Calculate or, risk. yeah, yeah, very, very, almost very, very certain. If it's not sixty, it might be, a, you know what I mean? But it's around that point, based upon historical evidence and sort of all of the data that shows that. So. It's very, very simple to become financially successful, but because most of our minds aren't attuned to it because of what we've learned through school, through our environment, etc., um, we just need to unravel that in order to set ourselves on the journey. So what I say is that like the income is simply to accelerate you to this point of financial freedom so that you can do what you want, when you want, with who you want, and you're not controlled by, by, by money or anything else that's external to you. Mm. So let's talk about now one of the the biggest parts of investing that I guess you're very fond of, which is property. Mm -hmm. um, I think majority of people would 
agree and say you know property is a great investment um so you know i want to have that conversation of, of both sides um because there is a small minority that say you know okay maybe instead of property i should do something else mm-hmm. or maybe property isn't as good in 2021 compared to what it was mm-hmm. um so you know i want to have that conversation of of investing so let's start with why property is you know or is it your number one kind of investing tool well it used to be okay. <laughs> it used to be um again it's about hitting that point of capitulation right the point where you say all right cool i'm set i know where i know where i'm where i'm at and i've hit a certain target right so um i started investing in property when i was 23 because it was all i knew right? wow. it was all i knew and the, the 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 journey of it was i was on the phone to a, a potential client and I was about 20 years old at the time, on the phone to a potential client, about to close a big deal, big 30 grand contract. Come on. <laughs> and then um, as I'm on the phone, I'm saying like, okay, cool, are you happy to send the contract over in the next seven days or whatever? And all I heard from downstairs was door, 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 door. My stepdad's blazing Beres Hammond downstairs. And I'm like, yo, this is not the right time, right? So anyway, now, so that triggered me and I was like, know what, I need to get my own space. I need to get my own office and I need to get my own house. So in order for me to save money and to do things the way that I want to do it, I'm going to have my office in my house. So that was, was a trigger for me in order to really start saving money, putting money aside. And I saved pretty much 50% of my income between the ages of 20 to 23, saved up 75,000 at that time and invested in properties. That was the first start to it. And then over time, I started realizing that, hey, this is kind of working, right? One of the things that I did in my property, I had three bed, I had a three bedroom house, right? Three bedroom, semi-detached. And I slept in the second living room downstairs. That was my bedroom. And then I had three rooms upstairs, one for the office, rented out two rooms. Okay. So I rented out two rooms. Uh, what was it? Just 500 a month, 450 a month at the time, right? 900 quid a month total. And the mortgage was what? A thousand pound a month. So it's great. <laughs> so essentially, You're for hundred pound, <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was on the verge of, and if I was paying office costs somewhere else, it would have been more, more expensive. So you know, it was saving me a lot of money. In fact, in, in in essence, I was almost living in the house for free. Mm-hmm. And um, again, once I saw that, I was like, I can do this again, right? I can do this with another property. So then I started learning about this process, and then I bought another property, and then after a couple of years, I bought another one, and then. It just kept on scaling and growing from there. So I was just like, you know what? I want to keep saving and investing my income so that I can build this portfolio and build the lifestyle that I want. But another thing that you can do is, um, you know, if you don't think that property is right for you or you think it's too much hard work and it, and it you know, to and fro, depends what kind of personality you are, right? Um, but the other way to do it is just a very simple path to investing, which is through the index fund. And it naturally grows because you've got hundreds of millions of people working hard for your money every single day. And you just put that into the index fund and index funds does its work and continues to grow and compound for you over time. Let's educate people a little bit on maybe index fund because it might not be as straightforward as, mm. you know, the concept of property. Um, is that your number one uh, investing um, I wouldn't say number one. I would say it's where I'm investing now. So one of the um, one of the like your top on the top of your list right now. Yeah, right, right yeah. now. That's where I'm focused on investing because I want to liquidate a lot of my cash. Right, mm-hmm. my cash of property is great. <laughs> Again, I mean, it produces an income for me, but I uh, I, I want to have liquid cash that I can pull out as and when I want because I'm at that stage now of more what's the technical term for it, like financial deceleration now. Uh, so there's acceleration on the asset. Now I'm like just trying to control my wealth, right? Mm. Rather than trying to necessarily like grow it. It's going to naturally grow organically, but now it's about preservation, right? Is the word I was looking for, wealth preservation. So now I'm more on the 
less on the accumulation side, more on the preservation side. So now it's like the properties pay me a certain income every single month. That's not a problem. That takes care of the lifestyle. Now I want to have liquid cash. So you've got to have, uh, you've got to know what your balance is in order to get both. But one of the things that I would extend upon and say is that like, if you're going to invest in property, invest in property for a purpose. A lot of people just invest in, like, I would just invest in, I don't know what I'm doing, right? But I'm just investing. But if you want to invest, it's like invest to a certain point that is going to hit your financial freedom number, right? So if you spend, I don't know, if you spend 5,000 a month, right? And that covers your, your bills, your excess and your fund money, whatever, right? Like build enough properties that pays you a 5,000 pounds a month. If it's 1,000, great. Build enough properties that pays you a 1,000 pounds a month and then start looking at alternative investments that's going to be more liquid. That's what I would say. Mm. And, uh, you know, from a business point of view, from an entrepreneurship point of view, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. Um, investing, obviously, is, is the key to wealth. Um, but a lot of people do want to build a business that, you know, is successful for many years to come that may not be uh, almost a silent form of investing. They want to be more active like you were and build, you know, million pound business. Mm. Um, so from that, from your journey, what are some of the things that you can advise some of the young viewers that, you know, maybe they've never had a, a business or maybe they've had a business and it hasn't gone their way. Mm. Um, what are some of the key things that you learn in your journey that you can advise to others? Control your money. <laughs> First and foremost, control your money. Always be in complete control of that. And look at your business from a long-term point of view. One of the things that I didn't understand when I was younger, although I knew it, I didn't fully understand it, right, is that you build a business to sell it. That was weird to me. When people started telling me this, financial advisors, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought you grow the business until you're 90 years old or whatever pass it and kids. pass it on to your kids <laughs> if they want it, right? But that's actually a, a, a not necessarily a financially sensible thing to do. Um, it might be a, it might work for some people, like, fine, not a problem, but it's not the it's not probably not the best move financially. Reason being is because you can sell your business for a lot more than you can generate from it, right? <laughs> so what a lot of people do is actually they grow the business and then they sell it and then they stay out due to contract clauses for a couple of years and then they go and start again if they want to, um, which is a lot more financially fruitful because, you, you know, EBITDAs and all this sort of stuff, you're able to, uh, once you sell your business, you typically sell it somewhere between like three to five times its profit annually, right? Mm -hmm. So then you can just pull that out chill out for a couple of years, take it easy, right? And then you can go again if you want to, but that gives you the time to raise a family, read books, travel, leisure, etc., and do all the things that you want to do rather than constantly being in this grind mode that never seems to end. What's your ultimate goal? <sighs> My ultimate goal is to empower the people. Um, you know, it's it's no longer about me. It's all about empowering and inspiring other people. Uh, and that starts with me, it starts with, then it goes on to my family and then it goes on to my community and do as much as I can in order to empower and influence people in a positive positive way. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what, what are some of the, uh, the biggest challenges? Because I'm guessing you speak to a lot of people of, of all ages um, that probably come to you and asking for advice. What are some of the, the biggest challenges that you find from their journeys or some of the most commonly asked questions? In terms of business or in terms of it money or either or either or um I feel like a lot of people are stuck on things that happened in the past. And the thing about the past is that you can't change it. <laughs> so one of the things to consider is that what you cannot what you cannot visualize, you cannot actualize. 
So you've got to start to put yourself in different environments that are going to help you to succeed, that are going to pull you away from, for a period of time, the environment that you're constantly grown up in. It's not to separate yourself from it completely, but it's to give you a different point of view. It's to give you a different perspective that's going to give you a significant advantage. Let me give you an example. I met a guy a few years ago. And once I started talking to this guy, this guy is financially free, multimillionaire, really successful. And at the time he was... 29 years old and I was about 31 and I was like how on earth did he do it <laughs> like what is this right and um, after we got to know each other and whatnot he invited me to his house for his daughter's birthday one time when I pulled up to the house I looked up and people were going in and stuff like that I stayed outside the house for 20 minutes and I was going how on earth did he do this stuff this is amazing. This is the kind of house, this is the kind of environment that I want to live in, right? And his house was uh, far away from London, like way out in Kent and stuff like that. And I was like, it's a trigger. I can create this for myself. I don't know how to do it yet, but I can create it. So what I'm saying is when you start to pull yourself out of your existing environment and start to explore new things, new environments, new people, then you're going to be open to and exposed to new opportunities, right? Uh, I have a friend. One of the things that he said to me was, I became successful when I was because when I was 21, I used to go to some of the best hotels in London. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no business plan, whatever. But I used to go there and I used to just like have lunch for the cheapest lunch that I can afford. But what I used to do is I used to eavesdrop on conversations. And when people used to talk about property, I would go, oh, okay, yeah, you're interested in property. Bang, 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 bang. I've got a property business. This is what I do. And then you start exchanging details. He said through that process, that's when he started his estate agency when he was 21. And then that's what led on to so many different business ventures that he's got onto. Why? Because he grew up in a, a, a rough environment. You know, he often talks about how he grew up in one of the roughest environments in London. And but he had to expose himself to something completely different. He had to expose himself to a new set of people with a new mindset um, in order to empower himself to say, actually, there's a lot more that I can do. Actually, where where I'm from, a hundred grand is a lot of money, but where these guys are from, <laughs> that's just like scraping the water, right? So once you start to think about money differently, you start to think of your income differently and all of these different things that you can do, then it's like, oh, triggers, you can do all this stuff. It takes the same amount of energy and effort often to make a hundred K than it is to make a million, right? All it is is <laughs> some extra numbers on the end. And oftentimes it's just the mindset that says, oh, I'll tell you what, like I'm good with this amount, right? But you have to start to put yourself and expose yourself to different environments in order to elevate your mindset and have your, your body, your DNA, your mindset, in your internal psychology know that there's something else out there for you that is available if you just allow yourself to access it. It's really interesting that you say that because it's, it's actually a thought that I've been having quite a lot recently, which is, is it possible to be the best version of yourself or to reach the highest success that you dream of in the same environment that ruined it for you in the first place? You know, so like, let's say, for example, you've come from a difficult background and, you know, you're living in maybe the, the roughest areas of London. You know, is it possible to really reach those multi, multi-million pound numbers when you're stuck in the place that gave you the disadvantage in the first place? It's possible to reach them, but you have to step outside of your environment frequently in order to give yourself the most advantage possible. Right, because you have to be exposed to things that are outside of your internal environment. Your internal environment. Listen, uh, what is it? Ninety. What is it? Seventy-five percent of what we do is habitual. 
it's not even conscious, right? It's unconscious. You wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, it's unconscious, right? Mm. You just do it, it's habitual, right? So 75% or about that amount is habitual. So you've got to start to break the patterns. You've got to start to break those habitual patterns that are already there in order to create some new ones that are going to accelerate you to financial freedom. Here's the thing. If you grow up around, if every single one of your friends makes 500 grand, you're going to be next, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like normal, right? So when I started hanging around with people that were making a lot more money than I was, listen, I, when I grew up, I always thought like 100 grand. Give me a hundred grand, I'm set. <laughs> like when I was 17, I was like 30 grand. If I can make 30 grand a year, I'm, I'm, I'm good, right? That's my comfort level. And then I hit 21, 22, 23, I started building a bit more. So if I can hit a hundred grand a year, I'm good, right? I don't need more. <laughs> and that was my, for a period of time, that was my ceiling. And then I had to turn that around and I started making, I started meeting people that are making a hundred grand a month. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now it's the floor. <laughs> now you just getting started, son. Now is a whole new elevation. There's a whole new awakening that's available. I just had to expose myself to different people and different opportunities and give myself access to it. What, what do you think is the best way to, for us to understand what our number is? Um, because I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that maybe they don't know. Um, they're, they're a bit confused of yeah. where to start. Great question. Your annual expenditure multiplied by 25 years. Wow. Your annual expenditure multiplied by 25 years. So if you spend, if your annual expenditure is 20,000 a year, okay, that covers your bills, that covers your car, it covers your, etc. Okay, cool. Then multiply that, multiply the 20,000 by 25 years, that's 500,000. That's your freedom number. Once you have the 500,000 invested, you can now withdraw 4% of that 500,000, which is 20,000 every single year without ever touching that 500K. How does that work? Well, the stock market typically goes up 10%, right? Historically, it's done it for years and years, right? On average, 10%, bang. So now you're able, but what about inflation? Inflation, two to 3%. So let's knock off 3% for inflation. Now you've got 7%. And then you've got 4% that you can pull away. And then you've got a 3% margin. Why? For market fluctuation, market goes up and down. You never quite know when it's going to go up, when it's going to go down. So you leave that 3% in there in order to secure your wealth. So this is where we talk about eating from the fruit and not the root. Because then I can withdraw that without ever touching that 500K. If your expenses are 40K a year, bang, that's a million pounds, okay? So you get to a million pounds invested and it's not that difficult to do once you start investing in property, refinancing, all this sort of stuff. You then pull out that you pull out that 40K every single year and you never have to touch the principal. They did a study on this and they found that 98% of the people that withdrew 44% of their income every single year never had to touch the principal. Proven, statistical, it's data. It's <laughs> crazy, but most people would never even understand that or, or even have the opportunity to learn that. Ooh, absolutely. So that is like the baseline number of where we need to get to in order to, to become financially independent. I hope you guys are taking notes on this one because <laughs> a lot of value. I'm going to watch this back and, and definitely do the same. Um, finally, I want to talk about debt and credit and leverage also. Mm. Um, I think most people, especially in the UK, um, debt is a word that they don't like to use um, mm. because it's got negative connotations to it. Uh, maybe they've got a lot of money that they owe. Um, that doesn't make them feel too comfortable. Um, but then there's the other side where, you know, it's a lot of wealthy individuals, they know how to leverage debt mm. um, and then they know how to use that to multiply their money. So um, let's start with, you know, just a conversation of debt itself mm. and, you know, how and where you, you, you utilize that. 
Yeah, you touched on something quite powerful, Hamza, which is like like a lot of uh, wealthy people use debt in order to leverage, right? So there's two types of debt, right? There's debt, debt, that, that, debt that is for leverage and debt that is more like consumer debt, right? That's like your credit cards, your loans, etc. right? So here's my philosophy on debt is that if you have debt that is always covered by an excess income, good debt, leveraged, right? Because I've taken that, I've taken that debt out and the the, the house or whatever, the mortgage is 300 pounds a month, but I'm bringing in a thousand a month. Okay, good. Leverage debt. Okay, great. Fantastic. But when you talk about consumer debt, when you talk about non-leveraged debt, that's when you reach a tricky space. Now, a lot of wealthy individuals have reached a point in their lives where they really understand this stuff and they've done it so long, so well, and they've made so many mistakes and come through on the other side that they know how to manage this stuff successfully and still maintain and manage their wealth. That's absolutely fine for them. 90% of society don't understand that, but what they do is they copy what the wealthy individuals what the, what the wealthy individuals do, and then they start leasing cars, they start losing, uh, then they start buying things on credit cards that they don't need, they start doing all of this stuff, consumer debt, right? And you know what it looks like on the paper is, is typically it's double, right? <laughs> Once you start to really analyze what they're charging you, so. Yeah, so you've got to get out of a context of consumer debt, get away from that, and then use money in order to create leverage debt that's going to give you an advantage in life, right? Uh, I think that's the distinction that people need to understand and not just use debt to consume stuff because that's actually your net worth working in a negative way. That's actually your money working in a negative way. It's compound interest working against you that is holding you back from your financial freedom, that is holding you back from your financial success. So you've really got to clear that out of your life in order to start making money on the other side. There's no point having, there's uh, no point having debt that is 10% on a car and then you're earning 10% in the stock market. It kind of just cancels each other mm -hmm. out, right? So you want to get to a space of financial wellness, financial consciousness in your life where you're like, okay, cool, clear the consumer debt. And if I'm going to use debt, I'm going to use it where it's actually paying me every single month and it's paying me more than what the debt is costing me. Mm -hmm. And from your perspective, how do you start with leveraging debt to a level where, you know, for example, the Asda brothers, they bought Asda all on leverage, pretty much all on leverage, billions mm -hmm. of pounds. Mm -hmm. um, the average person can't understand that or can't even understand where to go to do that. Mm. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit of the higher level of leveraging debt. So like investing and stuff. Yeah. Right. Cool. So you can invest in you can invest in property in 2019. I made one of the best decisions of my life, right? Uh, I went up to Sheffield uh, and I decided that I wanted to buy property in Sheffield. And uh, the estate agent was there. She was showing me around and everything like that. And I needed about I needed some money in order to invest. I didn't have all the money that that I that I wanted, right? Or that I would need to buy this property. And then the estate agent said, "Come on, Jazz, I've got to go. I've got to leave, right?" And then I looked down at my watch, and I had my Rolex on. So I'm like. Oh, shoot, I can't afford this property right now. I said, right, right, here's my offer. Take it away, accept it, whatever, right? So a couple of days later, I got the offer accepted. And then I was like, right, now I need to make the money, right? So then sold the Rolex. Got uh, The Rolex was like 12 grand, got like 11 and a half grand back for it, no problem. Sold it and then bought the property, right? Bought the property. The property now pays me 900 pounds every single month, right? So now if I wanted to, I can, <clears throat> and it's gone up. 
and it's gone up at least 50k in value if not 100k in value right it's about to be valued soon so then if it's gone up 100k i can buy dozens of rolexes again but again right first you've got to get the seed you've got to plant it in the earth and then eat from the root not eat from the fruit not the root right so rather than going oh do you know what i just want to be flash i want to be cool whatever i have this nice rolex on my wrist it's lit whatever but it's not doing it you know it's telling me the time but it's not giving me any so now i've got to start to separate all of these luxury items that might look cool for a moment, but what is the lifestyle that I want to create? What is the lifestyle that I want to live? I actually want to live in that lifestyle where I've constantly got uh, money coming in every single month. And yeah, the mortgage on that property is 360 pounds, right? But it's bringing me in a lot of value. It's bringing me in 900 pounds profit every single month. So now it's like being able to separate yourself from luxury goods etc and actually investing in yourself first and then saying all right well now what luxury goods do i want <laughs> now the assets are paying for it and it's not me running around trying to pay for it so it's like thinking like that and that's how i think about debt is is it going to give you is it going to give you a return and is it going to pay you money every single month if yeah then like go for it and start investing in property it sounds like the biggest hurdle is the mindset um it's it's removing yourself from your instant desires it's removing yourself from being like... But what is an instant desire? As in, where does it come from? That's a good question. Because a lot of people... Because most people that grow up in a wealthy environment don't have the same desires that you and I have. It's almost like new money, right? Correct. That idea of new money. C correct. It's like when the people that have grown up in wealth see the stuff that me and you might desire because we've grown up in a certain background, they're like, it's not desirable. We don't want that, right? <laughs> because they understand that it's a whole new world out there and there's so much advan more advantageous things that you can do with your money that's going to that's gonna help and influence your family and the people around you. So it's just about a, a different level of consciousness and being aware. And uh, I'm not one of them people that's like, oh, don't buy designers or whatever. Like, do what you want with your money, right? But my thing is, like, like, accelerate your journey to financial fitness, accelerate your journey to financial freedom and has that at the forefront of your mind. I think the biggest, the biggest aspect to that is insecurity because a lot of what we do i mean this doesn't exclude myself it's a lot of the things that we do and a lot of the purchases that we even make is deep down deep rooted it's it's to either impress someone or to look good or maybe even to gain more business because mm. you want to portray a certain lifestyle so yeah. um there is a lot of deception out there yeah um so from a from a financial point of view, I I already know that that is detrimental. You know, and and, and it it can be detrimental, but there's also an advantage to that. You know, you said you know, uh, doing certain things so that you can get more business. There's an advantage to that. So it's about understanding both sides. Mm -hmm. And most people don't understand both sides. I always say like like the business and success community. They always like okay, cool, like do this and like look lit and you know, uh, get get more debt in order to um, leverage and all of that sort of stuff. But then there's the other side, which is the, the financial wellness of it, right? Because you might be able to do that because you've attained a certain amount of success and wealth and that's great for you, but the majority of society are not in that mind frame, they're not in that evolved uh, state yet. So in order to in influence somebody else to do it, it's not quite the right thing to do for them. What's right for you might not be right for somebody else. And it's understanding, okay, what is advantageous about this? What is not advantageous about this? One of my friends challenged me the other day. <laughs> he was like, he was like, well, if you're talking about, um, you know, uh, investing money and all of that sort of stuff, like, well, why do you have such a big house then? You don't need a, you don't need a big five bedroom house. I said, well, space, right? So there's a, there's a specific conscious purpose to the purchase. 
right? And there's a specific consciousness, a purpose to the purchase because otherwise you end up just buying things for buying things sake and never get into a psychological state of abundance, right? And you have to be psychologically abundant in order to maintain financial abundance. A lot of people just want financial abundance, but they don't have abundance up here, mm. which means that they get to a stage of financial abundance, but in time, they either lose their mind or they lose their soul or they lose their money or they lose all three, <laughs> which is a problem. So it's finding the balance, right? Because mm. there, there's certain things like uh, a prime example is one thing I love to do is either go to the gym or, um, you know, go to a spa. Right. right. And mentally, I, f I find that that helps me a lot. You mm. know, it helps me make better decisions. And I'm willing to spend a little bit more on a good gym membership yes. than, you know, an environment where I'm not very comfortable yes. because I feel like that will make me more money, essentially, and it will make me more content as yes. well. Yes, and it will elevate your mindset. Yeah, so it's powerful, really, really powerful that you said that because it's really about understanding both sides. What is the advantage of this purchase? What is the disadvantage? Does the advantage outweigh the disadvantage? If yes, then go for it. If no, and you're really conscious and clear about that, if the answer is no, then don't purchase it. Wow, honestly, one of my most favorite conversations because I I, I, I went through it myself, you know, um, earning money, well, coming from nothing and then earning money and not knowing what to do with it and just fulfilling all of those desires um, and then going back to nothing and building a, a business and learning all of those things along the way. So for me, it's, it's, it's definitely a conversation that's very close to my heart. And I think a lot of people can benefit from these conversations. Um, so I encourage, you know, have these conversations with your loved ones, have conversations with, you know, professionals like Jazz, um, because once you start having those conversations, that's when your behavior will change, your environment will change and your your end goal will change. Because if you don't make these changes today, who knows where you'll be? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to have a bit of fun now um, because we've been very serious. A lot of value to give. Um, but maybe some people do want to know Jazz a little bit more personally. Perfect. Um, so we're going to have our rapid fire question. So just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, and that's it, really. Let's go. Night in or night out? Night in. Pepsi or Coke? Pepsi. Money or love? Love. Laundry or dishes? Dishes. Coffee or tea? Tea. Your favourite city in the world? Maybe London. That was the first question that you got you were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice car or nice home? Nice home. Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. AJ or Fury, if it happens? AJ, 100%. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, you're a football man, so Ronaldo or Messi? Ronaldo. Same. What's your favourite supercar? Oh, the one I drive. Ooh, I'm not really a car person, like though. I like that. I'm not really a car person, so um, easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, horror or comedy movie? Comedy, definitely. When you're not working, how do you like to spend your time? Chill out with the missus. All-time favourite meal? Thai food. Ooh, that was a unique one. I don't think we've had that one before. Um, what was your first job? The referee at goals. Goals soccer centres. No, yeah, referee at goals soccer centres. Really are a football man. <laughs> um, Offside. This, this might actually be re very relevant to where you're going. Where would you like to retire? As in what country? Yeah. Figuring it out. Mm. <laughs> Passenger or driver? Passenger. Role model growing up? I don't know. My big brother. Nice. <laughs> and finally, if you had one superpower, what would it be and why? 
understanding money. You've already got the superpower. <laughs> <laughs> Empower the world to be financially free. That really is a superpower, though. Mm. You know, understanding money, it's it's so uncommon. Mm. You know, I think it. I, I was having this conversation with someone the other day and it was like we see everything on Instagram, you know, all the watches, all the cars, the lifestyle, the, mm. the meals, whatever it may be. Um, and even if we are secure in ourselves and we are secure with our own lifestyle, even the best of us can get influenced by that or mm. it can have some sort of, you know, seed planted in your head where you're like, oh, I want to live that lifestyle or, mm. you know, why am I not living that lifestyle? Mm. But the reality is when we look at the figures, when we look at the HMR st statistics, you know, that is the real, the real evidence mm. of, you know, how the mass are living. Mm. Um, and it's unfortunate. Mm. You know, because we almost have to sell something that we're not living. So what would you advise anyone that is going through that where, you know, they may be looking online and they're struggling because they feel demotivated. They feel like I'm never going to get there. What would be your final kind of words of wisdom? How would your financial consciousness look and how would your life look as a result if every time that you picked up your phone, you picked up a book on business or finance? something that's gonna help you grow. You see, social media has advantages and it has disadvantages, right? Um, as you just explained. So if you replace that with a book every single time, here's a challenge for people that are watching this right now, right? Do that for a day. Every time that you're about to pick up your phone, pick up a book and read two pages. That's it, two pages, right? And then see what that does for your consciousness throughout the period of, throughout the, period of the day, and then start to step it up throughout the week, throughout the month. Your life will change in a matter of, in a, in a matter of a couple of years, if not quicker. Mm. And, and really, you know, it's these small changes that really make a big difference. I think mm. a lot of the time, especially when you're trying to build a, a successful business or you're trying to be successful in whatever venture you're doing, you, you focus solely on the hard work or, mm. you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give all my focus to this, but you sometimes neglect the small behavioral changes that will actually get you there. Yeah, yeah. Most of us, when we go to work, whether an entrepreneur or an entre or, or an employee, 80% of the work that we're doing has very little to low impact. That's 80%, wow. right? So a lot of us can cut our work rate down in half and only do the things that are adding significant value to the business or adding significant value to the company. And we're gonna cut our workload and we're gonna increase our productivity. And as a result of that, we increase our outlay, we increase, increase our output. Love that, love that. So Jazz, <laughs> um, I'm sure everyone watching now is 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 very keen to follow you and learn more um, because I'm you know we weren't able to cover everything in an hour, but there's a lot of things on your social media. So uh, for any anyone that wants to follow you and kind of get inspired by you, and also maybe they want to go that step further and uh, you know get real advice from you, what's the process for them? Yeah, sure. Just uh, follow me on Instagram at Mr Jazz Rose. I drop loads of tips every single day on how to be financially free and how to be a financially free millionaire. Perfect. I hope you enjoyed uh, coming on the show. Pleasure. And I hope you all enjoyed watching. Be sure to subscribe, like, comment, share. We're back. No more breaks. And we're going to keep coming with more content. See you soon.